Good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Chuck Blair of New Church Live. It's wonderful to have you here, whether you're here in our studio audience, whether you're watching us online, it's wonderful to, to be able to share some ideas with you today. And, and today we start something we do during the summer, which is a Bible study. Every summer, we take a look at a different part of the Bible. We look at it seriatim, we look at it in a series. And, and it's just a really enjoyable chance to kind of immerse ourselves in the Word and just get some thoughts and to realize the genius of the Word, at least to me, is that this stuff that was true thousands of years ago is every bit as true today. And I find that very, very inspiring in a lot of ways. So I want to start out with, with this idea. You know, in, in life, we get to play all the notes. Isn't that interesting? It's, we literally, you, you get a piano, a saxophone, a flute, whatever it is. Your teacher will teach you to play all the notes. And I keep, I was thinking about it, I think, yeah, that's sort of what God does too. We learn to play all the notes. There's no getting around it. And then we learn to play those at, at kind of two different levels, both at a, at a community level and at an individual level. And the trick is, is to think, yeah, okay, so I get to play all the notes. The trick is to take a breath and to think in terms of the song. What's the song you want to play? What's the, how do you want it to hear? How do you want it to work? And that's so much of where our freedom lies, in choosing that particular song. So I want to start out with just, with just giving you a little background to the book we're going to look at. We're going to look at the book Galatians. Galatians is a letter to a church, big surprise, in Galatia. It's written by Paul. Paul knew some of Jesus' disciples. In other words, knew some of the people who had immediately followed Jesus, who knew him firsthand. Paul never did, but he wrote about some of those experiences. A lot of those letters made it into the Bible when the Bible was put together hundreds of years ago. So, so these are interesting books. Now, I want to be up front. They're not considered canonical in the Christian New Church. In other words, we focus much more on the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's more firsthand accounts. That's what we focus much, much more on, as well as the Old Testament and kind of what's the internal sense there. Uh, but these books are considered good books to know. They're, they're good stuff to look at, good things to think about, good things to consider. And it's interesting when you read this, folks, because I know for me, I, I keep on thinking that there is this perfect thing out there that I'll eventually reach a point in life where all the music is nothing but beautiful. No bad notes, nobody singing off key. And I imagine like you, you know, we can, we can think that we'll reach that individually, and we can think that we'll reach that as a community. That just doesn't seem to be the way it goes. It seems life always has this, this variation in it. And it's a struggle. I like this question that I saw online. I thought this question brought a little bit of a smile to me. It's a question about family. Pretend we all live in the same house. Start the argument. I think that's really insightful. Like, if you're living in the same house, you will be arguing over things. You know, toilet paper this way, toilet paper that way. I mean, any number of things that will be arguments over, just simply because we're trying to live together. And that is where we start to, again, have an appreciation for the idea of playing all the keys and folks, we see that. We see that with Paul. We see that in terms of how he, how he relates to church, how he talks about church. Now, now Paul's journey, for those of you who don't know, he, he was Jewish, he was uh, a rabbi of sorts, and he was in charge actually of persecuting Christians. He did that a lot. He actually shows up in the Bible, somebody persecuting them. Eventually he has this big epiphany, 
changes his ways and becomes one of arguably the greatest missionary of all time. And Paul's stuff, interesting to read, uh, you know, it's, it's got good stuff, it's got stuff that's just a little, you know, it lands, at least to my ears, lands a little bit harshly. And there's these beautiful, beautiful insights about community in there. And that's what we're gonna look at today. You know, how is communities, how is the world, do we, do we really learn to play all the notes? And I don't wanna come across folks today, like the, the area where I don't wanna go, so I don't wanna go to say, to, to just kind of leave it as a bland observation, like, oh, look how nice it is that we play all the notes. No, this is, this is really a call. This is a call about how do we actually play all the notes? Like, why does that matter? Why should we lean towards that? Why should we lean into life in these ways that can actually, where we can become agents of change, where we can, we can start to think from, from a legacy. What's the legacy we want to lead? Not just what is the way we want to be entertained today. And that's where, that's where faith kind of has this little bit of sacrifice to it. I love the idea of sacrifice. Over and over again, important to remind ourselves, sacrifice, what you sacrifice for is what you are willing to make sacred. And community is very, very much that thing where we can observe it or we can build it. And Paul talks a lot about how to build community. So, so for anyone interested in how church or community works, Paul's stuff is wonderful and how churches are supposed to function. There's some wonderful things in there. And you will see, you know, parts of him that definitely vary, definitely are back and forth. For example, as he does with all his epistles, he starts out with the words grace and peace. So grace and peace to everybody. Beautiful, beautiful. I mean, just imagine folks just wishing people grace and peace. And then he goes on to say this line, you foolish Galatians who has bewitched you. And that's very much in Paul's tradition. He, he starts here and then, then he calls people to task. He calls people to task again and again. And that, some of that's out of concern. They had lost track of, of what Jesus' message truly was. Uh, some of that was that he saw churches kind of veering out of what they were supposed to do. And it just gives an interesting context. I mean, so many of us folks, uh, you know, we've, we've been to a million weddings. And if you've been to a million weddings, you've heard a million times 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love keeps no record. I mean, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful passage. If you don't know it, Google 1 Corinthians 13. Probably, probably one of the greatest statements of love of all time. And it's interesting because in Western culture, we've, we've turned that statement, love is patient, love is kind, all that beautiful stuff, 1 Corinthians 13, we've turned it into sort of a tome around marriage, which is, which is beautiful, and it should be part of a marriage ceremony, wonderful part of a marriage ceremony. Except for, as is often said, Paul didn't intend it to be read at a wedding. Isn't that interesting? He intended it to be read to communities that had lost their way. That's something different. So as the musicians come out here for our first song, let's just get in the space today of just thinking about how we would like community to look and, and how does it work? How do we really lean into it? And, and this, this is, I mean, this topic uh, for me as a pastor for New Church Live, I think is really critical as we, we try to figure out how community looks moving forward in this new age of the internet, this new age of the web, this new age that feels so different, filled with opportunity, and at the same time, filled with a lot of challenges. So friends, it is wonderful to have you here today. A big welcome, a big welcome to New Church Live. 
Good morning, everybody, and welcome to New Church Live. It's easy when we're watching from home and sitting on our sofas to forget to donate. No buckets being passed when you're on your sofa. 
I know myself, I've been guilty of this. Please remember, your contributions are what make today possible and all the other services and programs that are provided by New Church Live. And it's easy. Simply text the word New Church Live, all one word, to 77977. Thanks so much, and we appreciate your support. Thank you for that great video, and thanks for everyone who helped make that. It's, it's interesting, you know, that beautiful song, like, right, it's not hard for me to love you, it's not hard for me to love you. And it's, it's got that positive beat to it, and, and that's what we're gonna be talking about again today. Like, how do we do that? Is I got a text message backstage, and this is someone said, you got to, this is how they hold it, and it's song lyrics. You got to accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, and latch onto the affirmative. And that's really what this is about. How do we, how do we latch onto that affirmative? And it's not, folks, like, like this is the tricky part. It's not just an affirmative that we sort of nod our head at that, that floats across our screens. It's gotta be stuff that we actually are rolling up our sleeves to create and to be part of. And it's interesting to take a look at, at how much Paul really came to see how community and faith went hand in hand. See, see Christianity, folks, it's a relational faith. And that's, that's so important. Because a lot of the time, when people want to argue, at least, at least I find from my role, when people want to argue, they really want to argue theology. They want to argue ideas. I don't see Jesus all that interested in arguing ideas. He's much more about how do you build relationships. What are the ways we build relationships? What are the ways we build communities? What are the ways we build healthy families? We are made in the image and likeness of God, and because of that, we are made to be in relationship. Think about that. We were made in God's image likeness, which means we were made to be in relationship. That's how the world was set up to work. Those are the operating instructions, so to speak. And I wanna take a look at this, at this beautiful line. And again, this gets into this, this, this affirmative, really looking at the affirmative, accentuating the affirmative, really looking at it and, and, and finding ways to affirm what the world is and the better parts of the human experience. And it's this beautiful line from Galatians 3. Now remember, this is a group that is struggling. There's a lot of divisiveness. A little aside, many of you have heard this, many of you have not. The word diabolical means to be divided. The word Satan means the accuser. Just think about that. There's a whole sermon, a couple of sermons right there. That idea that when we, when we start accusing each other and, and, and we start dividing the world up, that actually is fairly diabolical. That's not what God was about. That's certainly not what Jesus was talking about, what the Lord would want. And look at this line in that context with, the, with that lens. It's a beautiful line from Galatians 3. So in Christ Jesus, you are all, notice that word there, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, he uses in Christ many, many times, or into Christ many, many times, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile. And again, there was a big division that time, whether you were Jewish or whether you were Gentile. For the most part, that was Greek, whether you were Jewish or Greek. Neither slave nor free, another big division in society. Nor is there male and female, another big division there in society. For you are all one in Christ Jesus, in other words, all one in the Lord. 
If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So, so I, wanna, I wanna pick apart these words because I think these words, they just have a lot, they have a lot to teach us. And the first word I wanna take a look at is this word faith. And in faith, I think folks, we can, we can look at it a number of ways. We can look at a faith that is, that is kind of like bookish, that kind of is, is focused on book. And there's nothing wrong with that. That idea of ideas, words become worlds. You know, the idea of a faith and intellectual understanding and, and from the Christian New Church perspective, now it is permitted to enter into the mysteries of faith. Like we're supposed to look at it. And that is a means to an end. And, and that idea of faith that can grow out of that is this idea of faith as an intellectual construct. In other words, if I believe, if I agree to these five things, however many your church has, these five things, that means I have faith. Some truth to that, right? We wouldn't want to throw that all out. Like, there is something to, to a group saying, oh yeah, this is what we believe in. This is what we've signed on for. That is part. And there's something even more significant about faith. Listen to this, folks. Now, this word, it's a very, very famous word, this word faith. It gets pulled apart in sermons all the time. The word faith that is used here is the word pistis. And what it means is good faith, trust, and reliability. Good faith, trust, and reliability. There's a difference there from intellectual faith. I think the idea of intellectual faith, very important. All important for us to agree, yep, that's true north. That's the only way we're able to navigate. And then with that, we also have to hold that, yep, we're going to navigate by that true north, but that there's a map maker and someone holds the map. Someone holds the fact that your life, you are playing all the keys. Some of you watching today, you're, you're in a really sad part of the song. Some of you are an incredible, joyous part of the song. Some of you are in the middle. Most of us are probably in the middle. But imagine a faith that is able to just sit in this place of trust, reliability, and having good faith into the world. I mean, folks, like, think about the people you know who you can really depend on, who are really reliable. We can absolutely trust. Probably some of you are sitting right beside them. Isn't that good? And think of the good faith that grows out of that. That's the relationship that God seeks to have with each and every one of you. Where we can depend, where we come to know God. Not as up there in the clouds as scary, but we come to know God in terms of good faith, trust, reliability. That's what having faith really means. And what's, what's fascinating about it, folks, is that that faith, that faith, and this was a great phrase from Sermon Writing Team. This is what someone said. That kind of faith, listen to this. This is why other people are much smarter than me. <laughs> they said that faith becomes, quote, a container of opportunity. Oh, it's just so good. It's just so good becomes a container of opportunity. Let's just, let's play with that for a minute. Faith is a container of opportunity. Trust, reliability, good faith. Think of it this way, folks. If we choose to really work at trusting other people, if we choose to really be reliable, like to show up, to really be people of our word, which is not always easy. I dropped the ball many times. I want to say that up front but we're really gonna have the intention to do that. 
and people come to trust that you're constantly going to bring good faith. You're, you're constantly going to be searching for the best in them. Folks, community grows. I mean, inevitably it's going to grow. Inevitably your community's going to grow. But instead, if we kind of turn away and we think no one can be trusted, nothing can be trusted. I mean, think about that. Nothing can be trusted. Is there anything sadder than someone who really believes that? I probably shouldn't have said it that strongly, but I'll say it that strongly. Is there anything sadder than somebody who believes nothing can be trusted? I don't think so. I mean, that's atheism gone to, a, to an extreme that's, that's sad. And it's, it's sad because that can lead to a level of despair. Look, I can't trust anything or anyone. That's not going to build community. And certainly it's hard to be reliable if you don't trust anybody, and it's hard to have good faith in the world if you don't trust other people as well. So that idea of faith, right, and that idea of, of this faith, this pistis that looks out at the world differently, and yes, there are intellectual constructs, and yes, there are, these are the things we agree on. There's, there's things in the new church that we say, yep, this is what we believe in. Those are real important. Again, those are true north. And it's also more important to like get into this deeper song of it all. Not just like constantly plucking at the five notes, but to like, okay, what is this deeper song underneath it all? And it's about the Lord and the fact that we can rest with trust, reliability, and goodwill. That gets us to the next word, one. So faith, and then it says you all are one, all children. And that line, folks, you're not Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or free, female, but now one. And, and you think, folks, these were all, these statements were very deliberately chosen. He's not just talking about the variety, like you're all like a different color. He's saying, no, these, these were stories that clearly pointed to hierarchy. If you were in Jewish culture, Jewish culture was up here, Gentile culture was up here. If you were in Greek culture, exact opposite. This was an extremely misogynistic time period, male and female. It also was a time where lots of people were enslaved. So you had the free and you had the slaves. You had these pyramids in society. And here's Paul going like, no, none of, that, none of that's actually true. And this, this is so, what I'm going to tell you now is so big. When I, was, when I was doing research on this unit, it was like, wow, that is immense. So, so, so just listen to this for a second. So we have this idea of you're all one, you're all God's children, all people are God's children. From Paul's perspective, that idea of sitting in that place where you see that oneness, you see the idea that we're all children of God. And, and I want to say, that is not always like this rainbows and unicorns statement. That, that will create a lot of hardship in your life if you really believe it, because it creates a lot of work. Because you really have to work at that. But it's fascinating in that here's Paul saying, and he's saying, oh yeah, by the way, you want to know what faith looks like? If you read the passage, you can find this. You want to know what faith looks like? This is what faith looks like. It looks like this world. Can you hear echoes of 1 Corinthians 13? Love is patient, love is kind. Love keeps no account of wrongs. Faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. It's those echoes, and, and, and here's Paul saying, no, it's, it's, not like, it's not about a term paper. It's about living in this place where you really live into, you really lean into, we are all children of God. That society is not this, this stark triangle, pyramid. Little joke, many of you have heard it. 
The thing we forget about a pyramid is a pyramid in the end is a tomb. You know, not saying it's a pyramid. It's not. It's, it's, it's very much like this. That's why in the Christian New Church perspective, Emmanuel Swedenborg talks a ton about love, but he tends to always put the term mutual in front of it. That's going to be coming up. Mutual love, that idea of a love that goes back and forth. And that oneness, folks, you know, the challenge of it is means we have to get close enough to other people to experience it. It's very easy to step way back, look out at people way out there and go, isn't this wonderful? We're all one. But try doing it with your annoying neighbor. Very different, very different experience. Yet, which is the one Christianity is calling us to? I mean, obviously, the annoying neighbor right in front of you. And through that, folks, through that work, through that leaning in, this oneness is not just some sort of some esoteric, you know, cue the mood music. This is, this is actual work. This is actual work as we work towards that oneness. And then as we do, friends, the last bit, this seed, talks about Abraham's seed. So this goes back to an Old Testament passage thousands of years before this where, where, where God took Abraham out there and, and the Lord has him look up in the sky and he sees all these stars and God goes, oh, that's the promise. This is your promise. The idea that, that you are one of those stars and your ancestors going back, your ancestry going forward, that we're all part of that universe. We're all part of that beautiful starlit sky. I mean, how powerful is that? And that idea, folks, when we all get that we're all these little pieces of it, right? It starts, it starts down this road where we can really start to see what our contribution is. We all only get one point, literally, one point of view, one point of light. What's yours? What's your contribution? Imagine a community dedicated to bringing those deep powers together. And we see, folks, you know, this beautiful, beautiful concept within, within New Church theology about what starts to occur. Here's a passage here from the book Heaven and Hell. Every community in heaven is growing in numbers daily. And the more it grows, the more perfect it becomes. That idea of perfection and growth. Most of us think of perfection coming with subtraction. Isn't that interesting? I, I certainly can fall into that. But this isn't saying that. Not, perfection has nothing to do with subtraction. It actually has to do with addition. Heaven is perfected by its numerical growth. And there, the word perfection in a Christian's perspective deals with wholeness. Angels long for nothing more than to have new angel guests arrive there. Boy, that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful idea. Beautiful concept. Because folks, again, don't, don't read this like a Hallmark card. Read this as a call to action. Read this as something we can do. And then we can start to take a look at, friends, in a fun way, what does it actually look like to play all the notes? And here, here I want to switch metaphors into the idea of the table. So we have this idea we get to play all the notes. Let's just switch a little bit for the table because we're talking sermon writing team. That's what it's like. We saddle up to a table. We see all these different parts and then we start to see it a little differently. And all the notes, all the notes, here's the amazing part, folks. All the notes are focused on the common good. Everybody at that table is focused on what is best. What is best. Now, there's a little danger here. 
One is we can have this box-like idea of the common good that can be, that can be stifling. And as a former history teacher, I just think about, you know, my mind, I think about Mao Zedong and, and all the things that happened in communist China, all the sad things in, in the 1960s, the great purge of Stalin, all those things where, where they had this idea of the collective and the common good. And the idea was that if you did not fit into this box in a certain way, you were out, literally out. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a common good that's much broader. And here's the amazing part. From a heavenly perspective, from a spiritual perspective, it's where we're all around the table, we're playing all the notes, and we're, we're serving the common good. But in serving that common good, ready for this? We find more freedom, not less. Think about that. You find more freedom, not less. Because, again, and it gets back to that pistis thing, trust, reliability, good faith, those are so much part of it. It was, it was interesting, folks, last week. I was privileged, as I often am, thankfully, here at New Church Live. We had a wonderful little backyard baptism. And, and baptisms, baptisms are, are just, they're just silly fun. Now, of course, we're getting all ready for the baptism, and the baby decides, little, the little, little Thomas there, he decides it's time that he needs to be changed right before the baptism. There's one, one note, happens all the time. And then we go, we do this, we do the baptism, just beautiful in their backyard. And they, they planted two new trees right there. And I'm thinking, how cool is this going to be as they grow and their son grows? They'll be able to take pictures with these, this tree growing. It's just, it's beautiful stuff. But folks, like, like that picture is so beautiful, right? And, and we all know there's going to be some hard things in the future. We all know that everybody in that picture is going to be playing all the notes all the time. They're going to have days that are so good, I couldn't even explain it. You couldn't explain it to them. They're all going to have days that are so bad that it's really a good thing we didn't know ahead of time. All the notes are going to be played in that picture, folks, but, but let's look at this. Faith, oneness, and seed. If we can pull those three into that and understand, okay, so what does faith look like? Well, faith looks like that picture. It looks like really leaning into that really leaning into that. That idea of faith, just imagine a child raised in an environment of pure trust. Now, it's, it's not gonna be perfect, folks. We're always gonna let, we will let our kids down. If you are a parent, you have let your children down. You will let your grandchildren, you will let people down. That happens, right? But the overall timber, if it's one of trust, that can build an amazing, an amazing life just one of basic trust. And then let's, let's keep going on with that. And then you have this idea of oneness. So you have trust, then you have this oneness, you have this connection. The connection of one person with another and how powerful that is. Imagine that child over the coming decades showing up at those family reunions, feeling they're surrounded by people they can trust, feeling surrounded by people they're connected to. And then the last with the seed, surrounded as well by people who are cheering them on, seeing their little point of light and reminding them what their contribution to the world can be. That's a powerful way to raise a child. That's a powerful way to live in community. 
It's where we don't just find ways to make community, folks. This is so important. I can't speak to this strongly enough. It's where we make ways to build community. We don't just find them, we make them. However that might look for you. We're really going to be makers there. And we're gonna find ways to contribute to the common good as best we can. And many of those ways are really small. And from a Christian new church perspective, when we contribute, we act in freedom according to reason. We're taking our best understanding of the world and freely offering that sacrificially. In other words, willing to sacrifice, willing to give this over to the whole, willing to serve the whole. And again, I wanna reinforce, it's not a giving that will take away your freedom. It's a giving that will actually build all of our freedom because we're all part of it. We're all doing our bit to do. Folks, that's so much of the process of life itself. And we can't divide it from obligation. It's not like we have that over here, but heaven forbid we ever say the obligation word. No, there's, there's obligation to this. But boy, does it look good. And boy, when you start leaning into it, folks, you start leaning into those basic obligations, again, exercising trust, reliability, good faith, the world opens. So after this song, I'm gonna come back, I'm gonna give you some specific things that have just been things, just observations, where you can see this kind of love, this kind of love in action, and as we're constantly reminded in the new church, love in action is what actually remains. rain into a paper cup they slither while they pass they slip away across the universe pools of sorrow waves of joy are drifting through my open mind possessing and caressing me Jai Guru Dance before me like a million eyes They call me on and on across the universe Thoughts meander like a restless wind Inside a letterbox They tumble blindly as they make their way Across the universe Jai Nothing's gonna change
life are ringing through my open ears, inciting and inviting me. Limitless, undying love, which shines around me like a million suns and calls me on and on across the universe. Jai. What a beautiful song. Yeah, folks, so let's, let's, let's take a look at how this, how this might look. Like, what's, what are some of the specifics of it? And, and it's just observing. It's just observations over the past week, you know, pieces seeing it. And, and, and I don't know what the exact call is for you. I just think we can all take some time to think about that, to think about how that might look for us individually. I, I find it really, really fun to watch what's called an ad hocracy. Now we have a bureaucracy and an ad hocracy. An ad hocracy is just like all of a sudden things just spring up out of nowhere. We're not sure where it came from. All of a sudden it's just there. And, and I think about the, the world I stepped into this past week. Now this is in, in Pennsylvania, I imagine in lots of parts where people are watching from. This is the beginning of sort of county fair season. Lots of fairs, fundraisers, uh, carnival rides, all the stuff, right? And I was working a bit. Well, Susan on some of those things, and, and it was amazing to see this field, this big giant field with nothing in it, and within a week, there's a village. Tents and games, and most importantly, funnel cake. You know, it's got all these things, and all these people, like hundreds of volunteers to make, to make this happen, to benefit a local hospital. It really was something else. That's an ad hocracy. It just kind of like springs up. Many of you know, again, we do a lot with St. Francis Inn down in the city. We're constantly plugging it. I'm going to plug it again. If that interests you, there's a team going down tomorrow, down Monday. You're more than welcome. If you're in the area or you happen to be part of our, our local congregation, more than welcome to go down. They're always looking for drivers. They're always looking for volunteers. You can text me. You can text, text Walt about it. If you know who Walt is, you can look on our website. Lots of things there. All of those are ad hocracies. They kind of spring up. And, and the amazing part to it, folks, like this is what I get amazed with, right? It's not that we spring into those things as the resident expert. What we do is, is we spring into these ad hocracies, and what we really bring is this commitment of our heart. I spent two days essentially being a cashier at this, at this fair. I am not a cashier. I'm really bad with numbers. Numbers panic me. And when I had time making change, I was like, I think you paid enough. 
yeah, you want my line. And, and, and you know, because and, and, that's just me. That's just me. But, but folks, like, I can't bring mathematical expertise to that. What I can bring is I can step into it with a heart, just a heart to serve. That's it. Not an expert. Not an expert at all. What's that for you? What's the ad hocracy you can join in a non-expert, big-hearted way? Think about it. What would that look like for you? What would that feel like? Where, where can you see those things? I mean, it's just, it's fun. It's fun to be part of. And, and what we can choose, folks, there, and I'm going to use the, the, the county fair analogy again. We can choose with those fairs, and it's not an either-or decision. I think they both go together. But I'm going to use a statement that makes them sound like binaries. They're not. Just want to be clear about that. To enjoy on one hand or to contribute on the other. Was there anything wrong with enjoying a county fair? No. <laughs> it's great to enjoy a county fair. By the way, one of the, one of the fun parts watching this county fair, 58 years old, watching spinning rides, I am never going there again. You know, just like, cannot do it, don't want to do it, no way. But there are kids who are just loving it. And I'm thinking, yeah, not when you're 58 are you loving being spun around like that. Be dizzy for three months. And yet, isn't it interesting, folks, right, with that enjoyment, there's, again, this is self-awareness versus self-transcendence. There's a self-awareness about getting clear. What are those things you enjoy? What are those things you like? And there's a self-awareness around those things, a joy around those things that can really be a lot of fun. So self-awareness. And then there's this other choice. We can enjoy or we can contribute. And again, obviously the two blend a lot. I want to be clear on that. We can, but we're going to hold them as binaries just for a second. We can enjoy or we can contribute. When we contribute, folks, it's, it's something very different because then it's not just about self-awareness. It becomes, and this is a line I'm going to be preaching on a lot over the next few months, it becomes much more about self-transcendence. It becomes this place where we all enter a stream where there's something bigger than us happening. It's interesting with these county fairs, like you can look at these county fairs, you can look at them and go like, well, they make X amount of money. Uh, is it all worth that effort to make X amount, you know, make, make, make some bucks? And in a sense, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. I know that, that in sitting there, seeing community form, seeing community integrate with each other, seeing community move, it's worth every dollar. It's worth every dollar. Every dollar. Because there's echoes, folks. There's connections. There's things we cannot get anywhere else if we're just focused on entertaining ourselves. One of the, one of the fun parts of it, too, this was a little aside, which was, which was kind of fun. So, so I'm there doing the, the cashier work. And New Church Live, you know, we have a lot of young adults who are part of the church. Uh, we have a very large wedding ministry, a lot of baptisms, etc. You know, I probably, I mean, I didn't count it fully, but, but six couples who I married, some of which no doubt are watching here today, six couples who I married went through the line. That was really fun to see them. And a bunch of them had kids. That was really fun to see them with their kids. And a bunch of those kids I'd baptized. That was really fun too. Even one of the police officers there, you know, I baptized his, his son. Folks, that's just, that's really good. 
That's really good. And then I think you can see where I'm going. This won't be a surprise to anyone. All of a sudden, self-awareness and self-transcendence, instead of seeing either or, it becomes both and. It's that Swedenborgian concept that angels, actually, the more they get they're part of something bigger, the more they understand themselves as unique. Isn't that interesting? The more they see their unique gifts. So I want to close with this. Everyone watching today will play all the notes. You'll probably play most of them this week, actually. There's going to be some hard times. There's going to be some good times. And just keep that image in your head about, yeah, how do we lean in? How do we lean in towards the common good? How do we start to serve? And how do we start to serve that common good in an ad hocracy way, ways we didn't anticipate, ways we didn't necessarily think a lot about, just there's the opportunity, so we stepped in. We stepped into that ad hocracy. Miracles happened that we never could have anticipated. Playing all the notes, stepping in, faith, and oneness, and this beautiful seed that just grows and grows. Think about that world. Before closing prayer, I want to show you a video that I think captures it really well. Enjoy this video. There are always a lot of people to thank on a wedding day, but the bride-to-be at this church outside Chicago had one person to thank over all others, a total stranger who made this possible. I wouldn't have been here if it wasn't for him. A couple years ago, out of the blue, 27-year-old Heather Kruger was diagnosed with stage four liver disease. Doctors said she had just a few months to live. I mean, they immediately told me I was gonna need a transplant. That's not enough time to really find a donor, right? No. By that time, I could really feel my body shutting down. Enter our hero. Chris Dempsey is a code enforcement officer for the village of Frankfurt, Illinois. What's going on? And he says he was in the break room one day when he overheard a guy talking about this woman who needed a liver donor. I spent four years in the Marine Corps and learned there never to run away from anything. So I just said to myself, hey, if I can help, I'm going to help. Keep in mind, he'd never met Heather, but he got tested to see if he was compatible. And when he found out he was, that's when they finally met for the first time. We had lunch together, discussed what the whole process was going to be. Did you buy at least? No, he bought. Oh my gosh, <laughs> this guy's amazing. <laughs> yeah, he bought, but I remember. <laughs> Not long after, they checked into the University of Illinois Hospital. The transplant, which involves removing about half of the donor's liver, went off without a hitch. Afterward, Chris and Heather remained close. They got so close, in fact, he was at her wedding last weekend. He had to be, really. I mean, what's a wedding without a groom? And so it was that a year and a half after giving her part of his liver, she gave him all her heart. You're the most incredible man I've ever known. You believe in me, and you make me feel amazing every single day. Because of you, I laugh, smile, and I dare to dream again. Acts of great kindness are done without expectation. When Chris decided to give an organ to a random stranger, he had no idea he was saving his own wife. But such is the way of goodness. 
the more likely you are to live for others, the more likely you are to live happily ever after. Such a, that's such a beautiful video. The more likely you are to live for others, the more likely you are to live happily ever after. So friends, you know, it's, it's like, it's a real simple takeaway this week. Real simple. I'm just going to do it in a couple of words. Play all the notes. And friends, play them well. Amen. We're now going to close the service with a prayer, the Our Father prayer, and then some musical meditation before we have our last song. So please join me. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. And Lord, help us to understand those gifts of faith and oneness, this seed, this heart of that is implanted within us, help us to see all those things. A call thousands of years old that will extend thousands of years into the future. And Lord, like any bucket brigade, help us to just do our part in passing that bucket along, in passing that love to the next generation, in passing that idea of dedication and obligation, doing what's best to serve the common good and finding our true freedom there, freedom very different than the world offers, but a freedom much more rewarding, much more meaningful, much more true, much more lasting. Thank you for this amazing congregation as always, Lord. Be with us this week. In your name we pray, amen. The Our Father prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, bring you peace, bring you home. Amen. As around the sun, the earth knows she's revolving And the rosebuds know no bloom in early May Just as hate knows love's the cure You can rest your mind assured That I'll be loving you always As now can reveal the mystery of tomorrow But in passing we'll grow older every day just as all that's born is new Do know what I say is true As I'll be loving you always Turn the rainbow burns the stars out in the sky Always Until the ocean covers every mountain high Always Until the dolphin flies and parrots live at sea Until we dream of life and life becomes a dream 
what you love asks for nothing Her acceptance is the way we pay Did you know that life is giving love a guarantee To last me forever another day there's time that you move on since the beginning And the seasons know exactly when to change Just as kindness knows no shame Know through all your joy and pain That I'll be loving you always As the day I know I'm leaving but tomorrow Will make me a past that I must fear I know deep in my mind the love of me I left behind Cause I'll be loving you always Until the day is night and night becomes the day Until the trees and fleas just up and fly away Until the day that eight times eight times eight is four Until the day is the day that head up no more Thank you, everybody. Have a great week.